we've been in the middle of a series. Actually, we're drawing to the end of a series on prayer. Uh, started five weeks ago. Can you believe it? Does it just seem like it's flying by anyone? I'm like, this is incredible. We're on part five of the series, Pray. We've talked about some different elements of prayer. Um, We've taken a couple of detours, even for myself. I thought we were going to go some ways that didn't end up going. And and I'm so thankful for the interruption of the Holy Spirit in our lives um, because he knows best. He knows what we need. Um, I shared the illustration of our wood stove in Anchorage in our home and how that wood stove heated our house. But it only was functional and effective if there was a fire in it. And then we had to stoke that fire, and we had to, my kids got used to, we would drive home, pull in the driveway, and the boys wouldn't walk into the house. They would walk straight to the wood pile, and every one of them grabbed two or three logs. That was just our routine. And, and, and you remembered because, well, it was cold, <laughs> and, and those logs meant warmth. And so they were diligent about that. Um, but you had to keep the fire burning. You had to keep the fire going. Our prayer lives are like that. Maybe you've experienced season where your prayer life is just on fire and you know it and you can feel it and, and just anything comes your way. You're just on your knees and you're crying out to God. And maybe there's been seasons in your prayer life where you've maybe not been so much on fire. And it's like trying to, trying to get a log lit. And that first Sunday I held a log and I put a lighter under it and it didn't really take. And sometimes our prayer life feel, feels like that. But God's desire is that we would cultivate and develop a prayer life that would result in effectiveness. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I touched on the fact that we like the powerful and effective, but we kind of skip over the righteous man part. <laughs> and it's there for a reason, that there's things that need to be happening in our lives for our prayer to be powerful and effective. That there needs to be a posturing of our lives lives and what we're doing. So, so we talked about a few different things. We talked about uh, the first prayer was a, it was a personal prayer, a dangerous prayer. Search me. David's prayer in Psalm 139. Search my heart, O God. The next week was break me, another dangerous prayer. Now that you've searched me, what you find, would you break those things? Would you remove them? Would you destroy them? Week three, we talked about send me, Isaiah standing before God and God saying, who, who can I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah's response, pick me, pick me, I'll go, right? And how sending happens in the presence of God. And then last week, of course, we talked about prayer and God's presence, prayer and God's presence and how prayer ushers us into the presence of God. Not that he went anywhere, but we definitely do. We get distracted. And so prayer helps us to focus on who he is and get back into the place where we're hungry for his presence because the power and the presence of God changes everything. So last week I shared some pairings, some prayer pairings I call them, some things that go well together with prayer. Prayer and worship or prayer and praise. Prayer and silence. You remember the third one? Prayer and solitude. And then prayer and fasting. And this morning, I want to continue kind of in that same vein, along the same lines. We're going to talk about two more pairings of prayer. Prayer and, uh, in fact, we'll put it up on the screen right now. Prayer and Thanksgiving. Was it already up there? Did you beat me to the punch? All right. Prayer and Thanksgiving and prayer and faith. Prayer and Thanksgiving and prayer and faith. So I want to talk about both of those this morning. And And they really build on each other. They kind of flow from one right into the other. 
So prayer and thanksgiving and prayer and faith. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians. Um, As with last week, I have quite a few verses to share on this. Not surprisingly, the Bible talks about prayer a lot, a lot. There is is 370, I believe it was 377 passages uh, about prayer, and and I think about the same on praise, a little bit more on praise. Um, The Bible talks about prayer a lot because it's important to God. It's important that we connect with him in prayer. So Philippians chapter 4. And I'm talking and I wasn't turning, so let me get there as well. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let your requests be known with thanksgiving. I remember it was quite a few years ago, I was reading this verse. I grew up in church, and so there's these verses that you hear in church if you've been around church a long time that you just hear. They're like kind of the go-to verses. This is one of those go-to verses. If you've been around church, you've heard this verse quoted. And so it's a verse I'd heard in church. I'd heard pastors preach on it, but, but there was a moment where it became mine. You know, you know what I'm talking about? When you're reading a passage of scripture and it goes from just kind of this informational thing that you've heard to, to really a place of ownership where it clicks in your own soul. And I remember as I was reading this and the word thanksgiving just kind of leapt off the page at me. It just stood out. You know, you ever read something and, and it's like it was bolded, highlighted, underlined, like little squiggly lines around it. It was just, it came alive to me and and the picture I got in my mind was that of a big key what the Holy Spirit spoke to me was Barry if you get thanksgiving if you understand the key that thanksgiving is to unlocking the power of a a, a power unlocking a powerful prayer life and you will you will see me do amazing things in your life but thanksgiving is absolutely key. And, and it's in that moment that I realized that it's not so important, not just important that I pray, it's important how I pray. See, because I had treated spiritual disciplines in my life. I grew up in a church where you were supposed to have a quiet time. Anyone remember that? Like, you know, it wasn't a devotional time. It was your quiet time. Have a quiet time with Jesus. And as a kid, I was like, I want to be quiet, right? Even now, I, I struggle being quiet. Preaching on silence last week, that's a hard one for me. That's difficult. I, I like noise around me. Um, and, and, and the Lord just saying, it's important not just that you pray, because I was the box checker. And every week I would go to church and I would feel good or guilty. I would feel good or guilty based on how many boxes I had checked in my own mind. So if I felt like I had prayed enough prayers and read enough verses and maybe gone to youth group, then I was good. But if I hadn't, 
If I'd been distracted or, or making bad choices or sinful decisions, and I, I ignored being in the Word and I didn't even open my Bible, in fact, it's lying on the table right where I left it last Sunday, and I hadn't really prayed at all, why well, would go to church feeling guilty? And every Sunday was this tension, good or guilty, good or guilty. And I hated it. I, I did. I hated it. Fast forward, I ended up going to Bible college. Now I'm a pastor, and I'm still dealing with the same thing. And it's at that point the Lord starts showing me it's not just important that you pray, Barry. It's important how you pray and how you approach me. And that Thanksgiving is a really critical and key part of how we pray. There's way too many passages for me even to share on this subject this morning. We could just just read all the verses all morning and be done. Because there's so much. And if you start realizing how often prayer, praise, and thankfulness or thanksgiving are tied to each other, you realize that you can't separate them. They go with each other. This is all really part of what we've been even talking about for the last year. About a year ago, I launched into a sermon series about being transformed or conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You guys remember that out of Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, 20, verse 29 talks about how God's plan, we know Romans eight twenty eight. that's another one of those go-to verses, all things work together for the good for those who love God and called according to his purpose, right? And it's one of those verses when you're going through a dark spot, a hard moment in your life, and then that person just with that holy grin comes and goes, Romans eight twenty eight, brother, all things work together, and you're like, God, I just want to pray more. Um, <laughs> Romans 8, 28, but he goes on to say that all things work together for good for those who are called and who have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the end game. That's God's plan in all of this is that at the end of it, you look like his son and that we're restored to the glory that we had in the garden in the image of God. Imago Dei, the Bible says, we are created in the image of God. And God's desire is that we get conformed back to that, that, that same image, that image of Jesus. And prayer is a huge part of the conforming process. I would suggest this morning, if you're not a person who prays, you're not a person who's being conformed to the image of Jesus. That they are that integral and that close to each other. Notice the progression even of the Lord's prayer. Right? He's praying and it starts with God's kingdom. Honoring God himself. God's kingdom. God's will. Then it's my life. My needs. Follow. And I, I, I'd encourage you, follow this pattern all, all the way through Scripture where you'll see this. It starts with the big picture. God's desire, God's will, God's nature, God's character, God's kingdom, God's will. Then me and his desire to shape my will, my character, and then my needs. And how often we push our needs right up to the front, right? God, just, just, just deal with this thing. And he's like... Okay, but, but there's all of these other things I want to do as well. There's a pattern and a process. And so really the key here is that God wants to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And it's a very intentional plan. 
and process to accomplish that. So prayer and thanksgiving and prayer and faith. We're going to talk about prayer and thanksgiving first. Prayer and thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly. Paul, of course, writing here. So I think Paul at at some point was trying to come up with different ways to say the same things. Right? (laughs) Because he's like, I already said it that way. I wrote this letter to the Philippians and I said it this way. But how can I say it to the Colossians and it just sounds a little different? Pray steadfastly. Don't stop. Press through. Be steadfast. Don't give up on praying. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. You'll notice a trend when, when, when scripture deals with thanksgiving about where thanksgiving is placed in the order uh, in the flow of scripture. See, thankfulness and giving thanks for us is usually something we do after we've received what we want. I ask for something, I'm given whatever that something is, and then I say, thank you. Right? right. In scripture, when it comes to prayer and us bringing our needs before the Lord, thanksgiving always happens at the point of asking, at the point of petition, not after. And it's a critical difference for us to understand. See, because if I take the world's pattern of thankfulness and apply it to God, I'm always going to be going, God, when you do what, you, what I want you to do for me, I will be thankful. And you will be so stinking stuck. You will never move forward. In fact, I believe it would create a place of bitterness and frustration in your life because God wouldn't just do what you need him to do. So what's the point even serving God? Because I put my order in. So I'm not going to be thankful. But when I'm thankful, when I ask, it changes my whole posture. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then let us continually, everyone say continually. Continually. Offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. I highlighted acknowledge because that same word is translated a few different ways. See, in in the ESV here it says acknowledge. Um, In the NIV it says confess. His name. In the New King James, it's translated giving thanks to his name. Same word. So when you're giving thanks, when you're thanking God in the moment where you're praying, the fruit of lips that give thanks, that acknowledge and confess his name, that you are glorifying him, that you are magnifying him, that you are lifting his name on high. Thankfulness in prayer does something to you. Thankfulness in prayer does something to you. God doesn't need your thanks. Can I say that again? God doesn't need your thanks. It's not like when you say, God, thank you so much, that he goes, oh, wow, I just feel so much better about myself. He knows that we need it. He knows that it does something to us, to our posturing, to our understanding of him, that we acknowledge who he is, that we confess his name, that we give thanks. So there's three things I want to share about 
prayer and thankfulness. First is this. Prayer and thankfulness keeps me focused on Jesus. It keeps me focused on Jesus. See, because if I'm supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ, I better, be, I better be looking at him. I better know what he looks like. I got to understand what makes him tick, what his character was like, what motivated him, and how he lived his life. Prayer and thanksgiving keeps me focused on Jesus. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let me stop there for a second. <coughs> Listen to what this says. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So what I would love to see on a Sunday morning is you all show up singing to each other. Come on. That's a great picture. Some of you are like, no. You're like, Jamie can sing to me. Jacques can sing to me. Margie can say, I'm just, I'll just say hi. Or, or, or I'll just do this. Right? The head nod thing. We're supposed to sing to each other and speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let me keep going. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. But not just out of your own strength, but in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness keeps me looking at Jesus. Why can I give thanks? Because Jesus has made a way for me to give thanks. When we come to this table and we celebrate communion, what we're celebrating is the opportunity and the ability to even come to the table. I remember Jesus and his death and his resurrection when I come to the communion table and the very fact that I can come is acknowledging what he's done. See, without this, I can't come. Without Jesus, I can't have a thankful heart. I would have nothing to be thankful for. Thankfulness keeps me focused on Jesus. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. We talked about magnify the Lord and it's that that I'm going to draw so close that all I see is him and everything else is is the the peripheral things in my life are going to just fade away because I'm so close and when I when I thank God and when I praise him with thanksgiving I magnify him he just gets bigger and bigger Jesus gets bigger in my sight and everything else fades away Thanks, thankfulness, and prayer and thankfulness keeps me focused on Jesus. Second is this. Prayer and thanksgiving keeps me grounded. It keeps me grounded. James says we're, we're like the immature who get, end up on the ocean and toss back and forth on these waves. That's not being grounded. The grounded is being on the rock like Jesus talks about. If he, uh, I'm sorry. First uh, Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God in Christ, you're being conformed to his image. So his will is that you would be like Christ. And out of that relationship with Christ, you now have the ability to give thanks in all circumstances. And when he says all circumstances, what he means is all circumstances. Not some of the time or when you're feeling good. It's easy to say, God, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for meeting our needs and providing for our family and giving us health. I talked to a bunch of people this week who woke up to coughing, right? That deep cough, fevers, and other things. We'll just leave it at that. You don't wake up in a morning like that wanting to go, thank you, God, for this beautiful day, right? You just don't. Yeah, God says in all circumstances, in the sickness and in the health, in the, in the plenty, when things are going well and when, in it, when things are lean and, and, and all circumstances. Why? Because it keeps me grounded, it keeps me grounded. It helps me to remember that Jesus is my rock. And that I can thank him even in the midst of the storm because I know that he's going to protect me through the storm. And that on the other end of the storm, I'm going to have a testimony. A great testimony. If you want a testimony this week, I'm going to put someone on the spot. But talk to James and Beth about what God did in providing for them uh, really miraculously. So just bombard him after, sir. In fact, do this. Invite him to go to lunch and ask him to tell their story. Because it's happening right here. When you're thankful in the moment, even when it's hard, even when things are breaking down and falling apart and the bank account is empty and you go, God, thank you that you're going to provide. And I don't even know how, but you're just going to do it. Thank you, God, that you're just awesome. And it does something to you. It keeps you grounded. And I tell you what, the enemy wants to come in and he wants to put that pressure and that stress. When you start operating at a place of thankfulness, you just feel that weight lift every single time. Third thing it does is it keeps you humble. See, I have to remember and you have to remember that I am not my source. You are not your source. And by the way, God knows what you need better than you know what you need. And so what happens is when I pray and I say, Lord, I'm coming to you with this need and I'm coming to you in the circumstance and, and it's hard, but I'm thankful, God, because I know you know what I need. And then when it happens, you can't step back and go, Man, look what I did. Because you, all you did is go to God. And he gets the glory. It keeps you humble. In our journal reading this week, uh, Ashley journaled on Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is what it says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think uh, of him, I'm sorry, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, Paul wouldn't write this if we didn't have a propensity to start thinking we're all that. God, look what I did. God, I prayed for that lady and she got healed. Look at me. God's like, you did nothing. <laughs> 
Um, it was my power flowing through you. All you were was available. Well, I did this and I did that and I'm moving in this authority and this power and God, I got this job and it's just, it's going good. And I, Lord, th- hey, thanks for the skills you've given me, but man, I'm doing the work. God says, no, stay humble. Don't think of yourself more highly than you thought. You ought rather. Be humble. Be humble. In fact, he ties grace into that. Each according to the measure of faith that God has given him. So the grace opens the way. But there's something about the faith there. And this is what struck out to me. In fact, I wrote this in my journal this week. That God will not give you and entrust you with more faith than your ego can handle. God will not entrust you with more faith than your ego can handle. Because if there's any hint that you're going to get the glory and the credit, he's not going to empower for you to move in that direction because he loves you too much to let you self-destruct. God will not give you faith beyond what your ego can handle. Well, you might be thinking right now, well, isn't it up to me to kind of build my faith? Yes, but where does it come from? You don't muster it. You surrender and God says, great, I'm going to build your faith. Here you go. I'm going to pour right into you. Prayer and thankfulness, critical in the life of the believer. Next is this, prayer and faith. See the progression? We go from thankfulness to faith. I think sometimes we, we want to pray these prayers of faith and go, God, I want to have faith to move mountains. And God's like, well, give me thanks. Be a person of thanksgiving. Have a thankful heart, right? I have a thankful heart that God has given me. And the more I'm thankful, the more it goes, I can trust you with more because I know that you will give me the glory. And by the way, when God gets the glory, people's lives are changed. Jesus said, if you lift me up, what's going to happen? I will draw all men to myself. But man, when I lift Pastor Barry up, when I lift New Community up, when I lift who I insert your name here, you know what happens? People are like, what is your deal? There's something wrong with you. But when Jesus has that place in my life and he is lifted up in my life, he says, I will draw all men to myself because I can trust them with you. Prayer and faith. When I was a kid, um, I, I want to make this because it sounds at this point that we're like talking about the big stuff, right? Sometimes you think prayer of faith, it's got to be the big things and everything else. I'll just kind of take care of it. I learned this lesson in my life when I was in elementary school playing Legos. This is, this is the point where God started teaching me about praying by faith, praying in faith. I used to love playing Legos. Anyone Still love playing Legos in the house? Right, come on. Love playing Legos. And, um, and I had a lot of them. And you know what happens. Now, I know some people like color coordinate and they keep all of the same sizes together. I was, I was like, every, everything was in a massive box. But I knew what I had. Like I had this mental tally of every piece of Lego that I had in my repertoire. And I would get frustrated because I would be looking for a particular piece. And you know the sound you can hear right now, the scratching of the Lego, right? <laughs> That's so funny. 
for hours <laughs> digging in the box. And, and, um, and I would get angry. I would get so frustrated. I can't find this piece. And, and, and I remember sitting on this ugly brown shag carpet in my bedroom and I stopped. There was this moment, this day that I was playing and I got so frustrated and then I stopped and I said, God, I, I need your help. Because I'm getting frustrated and I need to find this piece of Lego because I need it for this thing that I'm building. Jesus, would you help me find it? And I looked back in the box and there it was. Well, it started that prayer and faith became a regular part of my Lego playtime. <laughs> and I can honestly say, I can't recall a time when I was a kid that God didn't answer my prayer. And, it's, and you can say, well, but the Lego is already there. But you know when you've been looking for something and then you find it. The kingdom of heaven is like a widow who lost a coin, right? God met me in that moment and he deposited a seed of faith in my life that has gone through strong times and weak times. But I tell you what, I think back in those moments now when I come to the big things and the little things, God transports, transports me back to that little, that little bedroom sitting on the carpet and he says, if I can do that, I can do this. If I heard you then, I'll hear you now. And so this isn't just about the big things. God cares about a kid finding a piece of Lego. He cares about whatever's going on in your life. So prayer and faith, the first thing is this. Prayer and faith invites God's power into my reality. By praying in faith and by faith, I invite the power of God to invade whatever is going on in my life. And he wants to. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, right here. On earth as it is in heaven. James 5, 13 through 16 says this. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Let's stop for a second. What will the prayer of faith do? It will save the one who is sick. Wait a minute, God, that's not what I asked for. He goes, I know, but I know better what you need. How many times do people come to Jesus and they ask for healing and he said, your sins are forgiven because you think you need physical healing. And he's like, no, no, no. There's something else much bigger going on. How about the time where the friends bring the guy on the stretcher and they remove the tiles on the roof of the house because they can't get through the front door and they lower him in before Jesus. And what does Jesus say? It's because of whose faith? The friend's faith. Because of the faith of your friends, you've been made whole. And by, way, by the way, when Jesus says made whole, it's not just the physical healing. It's the forgiveness of sin and the opportunity to walk in new life. So bring that person who's not feeling well, who's sick, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. As it is working. You have the opportunity and the ability to call down power from heaven into the reality of your life and the reality of the lives of those around you. Every day. Every single day day I'm a bit of a a war uh, history nut love learning about World War One, World War Two. Lately, I've been reading a lot about Israel and, and the Six-Day War and some of the things that Israel has faced. I um, love reading about military technology. It's really fascinating. We watched a, a movie about World War I aviators the other day, and you're looking at these, and they thought this was cutting edge. And now you compare to what we have just, you know, 100 years later. When you're on the ground and you're a foot soldier and you're able to pull out a radio and say, I'm calling in an airstrike, and they pull out a laser designator and they highlight a target, and the next thing you know, there are missiles flying from the sky and obliterating whatever is coming against them. That's awesome. And it doesn't hold a candle to what the, uh, the ability you have to call on God. You, you see a situation in your workplace, in your home, driving down the street, wherever you are, and you see something and you go, God, your power needs to be made known in this situation right now. You are calling down a power strike from God into the reality of whatever that is. And God always hits his mark. And we can be thankful for that. Always. Next is this. Kind of ties right in. Prayer of faith overcomes the power of the enemy. We have to remember that we are on the winning side. We're on the winning side. And every single day, the enemy of your soul is going to try and convince you otherwise. He's going to try and convince you that you are beaten and that he's the winner. When you pray by faith, what you are doing is overcoming the power of the enemy in your life. Saying, God, you've got this. Jesus, you secured this victory. Satan is defeated. Luke 10, 19. Don't take my word for it, by the way. Let's listen to what Jesus said. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, 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 excuse me, shall hurt you. Nothing. I have given you the authority. Now, now. we know that this verse has been taken out of context and it's one of those that's been made weird, Right? But if we get past that and we look at what Jesus' true intent is here, he's going, listen, there's nothing in this world. Snakes and scorpions, physical things of this world. It was a, okay, remember they lived in Israel without, without paved roads and without covered shoes. So snakes and scorpions were kind of a big deal. All right? You're walking down the path and you're, they're just everywhere. 
So it wasn't some kind of, hey, let's bring them into the church. And No, it's just the reality of in the world that you walk around in, there are things that are going to try and come against you right. and bite you at your heel. That's right. God says, I've given you authority over even those things, the little things in your life. Oh, and by the way, over all the power of the enemy as well. Right. Bookends, the little things and the big things. You say, God, I, I could have crushed the, the scorpion on my own. And he's like, yeah, but, but I gave you the authority to do it. Oh, thank you, God, for giving me the authority. So the big things in our lives and the little things, wherever the enemy wants to come, God says, I'm giving you prayer, the power of prayer by faith to overcome the power of the enemy. And finally this, prayer of faith move mountain, moves mountains. It moves mountains. Matthew 21, 21 through 22, Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith, uh, but if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If you have faith. Now, of course, the story here is Jesus, there's a fig tree that has no fruit on it. Jesus curses the tree and it dies. And the the disciples are freaking out, right? Oh my gosh, he just spoke to a tree and it died. And that's incredible. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Because you have the authority And if you have the faith and don't doubt, say to that mountain, be picked up and thrown in the sea. Was Jesus prone to exaggeration? (laughs) Right? It's a good question. Was he prone to exaggeration? Was that a truth statement or was he just trying to make a point? I don't think Jesus exaggerated. He wanted them to grasp how much authority they really had. If you say to this mountain, be cast. And if you believe and don't doubt, it'll happen. Yet we get faced with things in our lives that aren't really mountains. They're not even like foothills. Maybe they're just like, like speed bumps. And we freak out. Oh, God, where are you? God's like, whoa. I've given you authority, and if you have faith and don't doubt, you can speak to it, and it will be removed. What mountains are there in your life? What things are there right now standing in front of you? There you're going, I don't know. God, that's too big. Maybe you're not even addressing God, and you're just going, that's too big. God's going, no, no, no. I've given you authority and the prayer of faith. Once you've allowed me to search you, break you, send you. Once you've allowed me to, to, to draw you into my presence and conform you to the image of my son. And once your desires and your will has been conformed to my desires and my will. And once you've given me the opportunity to build your faith. There's nothing that will stand in your way that you can just speak to it in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ by the faith that's been poured into you and that it will happen. Right. 
And it's just a statement of fact. Now, I, I struggled with this because growing up, I was like, well, what keeps people from doing things for their own gain? Well, it's the whole process leading up to it. God goes, I'm not going to give you faith to throw mountains in the sea if you're doing it because you don't like someone. You're doing it with the wrong motive, the wrong heart. Sir, there's a whole check and balance thing that happens in our lives before we arrive at this point of faith. Which means as a believer in Christ, sometimes when I come to mountains and then all of a sudden I'm on my knees going, God, meet me in this moment. And he's like, we got to back up and start a little fire. And we've got to build some, some momentum here. And we've got to get a good bed of coals going. And we've got to get the furnace rolling a little bit. That's a way, by the way. Why is it important to come to church? Because everyone is going to have a day where you're like, oh, I'm just not doing good. And I wish my faith was stronger, but for whatever reason. So why, as Hebrew says, don't give up coming together? For the same reason that four friends lowered their friend through the roof to Jesus. And he says, because of their faith. See, because when I'm weak on faith, man, I can come around you, I can stand with you, and your faith will impact my faith. And, and your ability to, to call down the power of God into your reality will affect my reality. But when I isolate myself and things get hard, and then I'm like, I, you know what, I'm just not in a good place, and I'm not being very nice this week, and the situation's got me stressed out, I really can't go to church. And you know what the enemy is doing? He's doing a little happy dance. He's like, yes. Because the last place he wants you is here, because your faith will be built when you're around people whose faith is being built. And imagine what would happen when a whole room of believers, a whole church full of believers actually believed these things and we came before the Lord and said, God, we're ready for you to move mountains in our city and in our homes, in our community, in this valley and to the ends of the earth. And we talk, took our faith and we combined it. Mountains can move. And it's God's desire that they would. John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And listen to this. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus does not exaggerate. He actually wants us to live this way. That's mind-blowing. He's telling them, listen, you've seen me done some, do some amazing things, but I'm telling you, you're going to do even greater things. What? Greater than Jesus? Yes. Not because of you, but because of him. And he says, listen, imagine that. Your cheerleading squad, squad is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they are cheering you on, going, come on. And then there's this whole cloud of witnesses. All of these people watching, all those who've gone before going, you can do it. Come on. Come on. Get, get your faith going. Build your prayer life. You can do it. And anything you ask in my name, I We'll do it. Let's stand together. So what are the mountains in your life? 
What are the things that are standing in the way? And maybe, maybe backing up to the, the thankfulness part, maybe in that moment the Holy Spirit was speaking to you going, not, not seeing a lot of thankfulness. He will not make you thankful, by the way. We have to choose to go there. We have to choose to live that way. And when we do, God meets us in that. And then he starts building and conforming. And you hear about people whose lives are marked with the miraculous. They didn't get there all of a sudden. It was a process. It was a process by which they surrendered their lives. They gave thanks to God. They honored him. They didn't think of themselves more highly than they ought. They pray, God, your kingdom come. And guess what? It has and it will. Where are you at today? Father God, this morning, Lord, I ask that the mountains in this place, the mountains facing any and everyone in this place would melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. That they would melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Lord, your word says that there is nothing that can stand in the presence of the Almighty. And God, that we take your presence with us. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you that we have your power and your presence and your authority. Thank you, God, that you know best what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. Thank you, God, that you're in control. I pray this morning, even as we continue to worship today, God, that in this moment and in this place that you would tear down and remove mountains. Lord, I pray that you would come against the power of the enemy and the places where he's looking to bring division and work against lives. And that we would walk from darkness into light. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship. Our our prayer team will be available uh, in the back. If you want to pray with someone this morning, we'd love to pray with you. Our ushers will be coming forward during the the final song to receive tithes and offering. But let's worship a couple of songs together.